the energy and the the, the the positivity towards like the NWA and towards the show and stuff was just unbelievable. Billy's and, and, and Dave's vision to me so far has been very, very, very good. As much as it's a throwback, it's really just it's a format that works. And it, honestly, it's the same format as every other wrestling show. It's just the environment is so different. They have been giving opportunities to people like me that haven't had an opportunity the way that we are here. It's a little bit old with the new. It's the most historic, longest running organization around. Man, I, I feel like we're setting things on fire at this point. Hey everybody, it's Sean Mooney and welcome to another edition of Prime Time. I am so glad you're with us. Uh, I hope that uh, this episode finds you safe and healthy and all your loved ones the same and that you're holding up through this uh, pandemic uh, as, as well as you can. And uh, we all are just praying that uh, it ends soon. And uh, I hope that some of the content that we've been able to provide over the past uh, weeks has helped you get through it a little bit. And I really want to thank you once again for tuning in. Uh, we're coming off a great episode with Eric Bischoff. I hope you had a chance to listen to it. Uh, waited a long time to get Eric on. We started talking, I think, a couple of years ago. I remember running into him at an event. I think it was the StarCast, uh, the first one. And I uh, say, hey, I, you got to come on the podcast. He's like, yeah, sure, absolutely. And we've just never been able to do it uh, up until this point because he was so busy. And then, of course, you know, he went to work uh, for the WWE. And uh, we know what happened there. And we, and we did talk about it, I think, if you listened. And uh, that was uh, a great part of the conversation. But uh, I didn't really focus on the Monday Night Wars because everybody uh, talks about that. It's been studied and debated. And he even has a podcast, 83 Weeks. If you want to learn more, go right to the source. Uh, but, you know, we, meant, we, we get into it. But I really was interested about, uh, you know, who he is and, and how he became who the person he is now uh, growing up and also uh, some of the things that he went through getting to that point where he was ready to take over a company like WCW and, and do what he did. And also, you know, some of the things that growing up uh, really taught him not to take shit from anybody. Uh, and he's still that way. And we also talked about uh, things that have happened since and what he's doing now. So if you missed that episode, man, don't, uh, don't miss an opportunity to, to listen to it because you're really going to enjoy it. And we don't let up from there. We got more coming. Uh, I hope that uh, you are able to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. That's really easy, at Primetime Mooney. Email me. You can at uh, primetimemooney at gmail.com. Uh, also, love to have you as a Patreon member if uh, you'd like to get all the content that we put out. Uh, you know, every Monday we've got the Network Classics. Every Wednesday, an original episode like this one. And then Saturday, we open up the vault and bring out a, a favorite episode. They all drop at 6 a.m. Eastern Time. But some people don't want to have to listen to the ads. There are ads. I get it. Uh, but uh, we have to pay the bills. But you can also get that content early and ad-free uh, by becoming a Patreon member. And you can do that by going to patreon.com slash primetimemooney. That's patreon.com slash primetimemooney. Okay. This week, uh, many of you know, if you follow what I'm up to, uh, I did some work with the new NWA and have been affiliated with them. Right now they're on pause, on hiatus. I'm very optimistic that they're going to be back and doing great uh, television and content for everybody. 
But, uh, you know, that experience gave me a chance to meet a lot of these guys that I'd never crossed paths with, uh, these, these personalities that they have on their roster. And, of course, uh, you probably caught the episode with Nick Aldis. He's been on a couple of times, the reigning NWA World's Heavyweight Champion. Also, uh, Eli Drake has been on, James Storm and, and uh, others, the Thunder Rosa. Well, we are going to follow up on that with somebody who I had, had on the list when I started thinking about having these guys come on. And he joins us uh, on this episode, none other than Tim Storm. And uh, he is uh, just an incredible person uh, right there. The fact that you know, he worked so hard uh, to get into this business, didn't even start until he had uh, turned 30. And uh, you know, there's not many success stories out there. DDP, of course, comes to mind, but it is not easy to... Uh, become successful in the world of professional wrestling. And at the same time, he had another career, uh, you know, taking care of his family. He always had a full-time job. And to this day, he's a high school teacher, which he will talk about. So what do you say? Let's get to this conversation with Tim Storm. Ding, ding, ding. Folks, uh, I believe I have had many underrated wrestlers on this podcast over the last three years, but I'm going to say this on this episode. My guest may be among the most underrated uh, among a group of people who are just have never just gotten the due that they deserve in, uh, in the history of professional wrestling. I'm going to say that on this program, and I'm hoping uh, to get some answers as to how that in the world happened over a career in a business spanning uh, uh, some 25 years now. And, you know, if we don't find out any of those answers, uh, we are going to have a great conversation anyway. Welcome, former NWA World's Heavyweight Champion and very popular star of the new NWA, Tim Storm. Yeah, thank Tim, you, how are you, man? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you for the introduction. Um, hey, man, I, in, in life in general, I'm just an open book. So if uh-huh. there's, pretty, there's pretty much nothing you can ask me that I won't answer. Um, okay. You know, I'm, I'm just, uh, you ask and we'll just talk. That's all it is, just a, yeah, just a conversation. But- you know, Tim, uh, I, I I regret that we never met along the way. Uh, when uh, you started your career in '95, I was already gone from the, the WWF, WWE. Right. But I have to tell you, you know, and this, uh, honest to God, uh, when I had the opportunity to work with the new NWA and got to one of the TV tapings, which unfortunately, with everything that's happened, uh, I've only been able to experience one. But I just remember seeing, not only seeing your work, and I'd seen it before, but actually. Uh, seeing you do promos, which you know to me is uh, one of the greatest arts there is in the business. And I just remember having a conversation with Dave Lagana and saying, how? How did, was this guy not this major superstar with the WWF uh, and the WWE? And it is. It's just amazing to me. Um, I guess, you know, some things happen in life. There, there are guys that I saw come along the way when I was there with the WWF. Where, who, who just had everything, and then for whatever reason, it's just the way it, it lays out. But uh, I, you're not a person I know that looks back and goes, what if? But right. how do you explain it? <laughs> I don't know that I've ever actually tried to explain it that way. Uh, you know, so much of professional wrestling, so much of life is right place, right time. Um, and I don't, you know, I've had this conversation recently, you know, here here and during quarantine with, you know, in the house, but it's, yeah. I have no regrets. I don't, I, if I could go back and, you know, I, if I could go back and redo anything, I don't think I'd do anything different um, because that would change too many good things that have happened. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I always I'm an older guy, you know, now. And I think that what I while I wouldn't redo it, one of the things that I wonder about 
um, is if I had, like a lot of guys did back in the 80s, if I had come right out of high school before, you know, maybe maybe not gone to college, mm-hmm. I might have I might have had an opportunity to hit that last great stretch of territory wrestling, which is where the guys that I grew up loving to watch, that's where they came from. You know, yeah. the, the, the mid-80s, early 80s, late 80s, 90s, that to me that was – that's where I was introduced to wrestling um, people who are today Hall of Famers. Now, again, if I had that opportunity, I don't know that I'd go back and take it because that all came about with, you know, with college and jobs and family and all of those things that, that follow with, with that. Yeah. I wouldn't redo that. But, man, uh, you know, I do think I, I wonder how I would have done in those circumstances because anybody who loves the history of wrestling, I love the history of wrestling. Mm-hmm. And I, I've spent more time watching 80s and 90s wrestling the last seven weeks that I probably have in our life and listening to those stories, nobody knows how or if you can make it in those weird circumstances of being on the road 300 days. And, you know, the boy, I, you know, I would have liked to, I'd like to find out if I could have again, wouldn't change it, but it'd be fun to know. Yeah. And, uh, you, you, may be born too late because there are some guys that just, uh, you know, throwbacks. And we, we see people like Trevor Murdoch, who I think would have been, you know, tremendous during those. He'd be, you know, a legend as, uh, as big as Dick Murdoch and all these others along the way. But uh, what was it about? Because I love to talk about those territory days that because they really are, are what shaped this business. Yeah. And, of course, Vince McMahon changed all that. But there's something to that period of time. And like you said, uh, you know, the fact that these guys were on literally on the road. I mean, they weren't just hopping planes or these guys were in cars and traveling. What was it about that that era, though, that fascinates you and and really captured your attention? I'm sure early in life. Well, I just recently I was listening to, uh, you know, I grew up in Arkansas. So I kind of I was very fortunate about what I got to see wrestling wise. Um, In the mornings, I got Memphis wrestling. You know, so I got, uh, what is it, USWA. So I had Lawler, uh, Honky, you know, all of those guys that came right. through there. Amala, all those guys. In the afternoon, 6.05, you know, on Turner, uh, I got, I got the NWA. I got, uh, Mid-South. I got all of that. And then at night, I got World Class because I got it out of Dallas, uh, on, on that superstation. Yeah. So all of that kind of molded, uh, kind of what I saw as wrestling. And that, that's really, truly, that's where my, why my heart is so strong with the NWA. I, that, to me, that was wrestling. But I think the, the thing that came out of those territories and, and I tell people today when they ask me like some of the things that, that I see that have changed. Yeah. Um, those guys on a daily basis were molded into professional wrestlers. You spent, and usually, I mean, again, I, I got to experience the tail end of some of this, and I've had some experiences that I can relate to it, people that are legends in wrestling that have given me their time that I've been able to travel with. But on a daily best basis, to spend six hours in a car with three right. guys doing nothing but talking wrestling and laughing and joking and and being able to say, hey, when you did this, what were you thinking? Or how did you get to here? Or what led to that? Or when you saw that? And that's all developmental. And... Students of, of professional wrestling now don't have that. You know, they, they, they go to a wrestling school. They learn the basics. They learn psychology. They learn all of those things. But to me, the thing that molded those greats, um, I, you know, I don't know that we want to get into names, but I, I spent the, this week was, uh, Bill Watts, uh, mm-hmm. Barry Windham, 
Um, I mean, I just, I, I just kind of pick a couple of guys every day and just watch some stuff while I'm doing cardio or while I'm working on the computer. <clears throat> and they all tell the same kind of stories. Uh, you know, how they, what, what brought them to that point, how they developed that person, how they developed the person that they are and that whether it was in the ring or out of the ring. And that's just missing today. You know, like yeah. you said, even, even the, the guys who are full time, they're spending a lot of time on the, on the road, but a lot of that is on a plane, uh, yeah. by themselves, you know, not sitting with anybody and talking and, and the people who love wrestling, just you can't you can't get enough of it. It's just it's a passion. Yeah, and I think what also made those matches so uh, tremendous is that it, you know you can have guys, and, and of course they may meet in the ring twenty twenty five times or more, right. and have better matches each time. But the fact that these guys were together outside of the ring and knew of these guys and developed this, these trusting relationships, right. I think that that also had a lot to do with it. And also the fact that, um, you know, they they uh, did these matches over and over again as far right. as, you know, they changed them up. But they were able to do this. They were probably on the road. Sometimes they would be doing six, seven days a week. Yep. And then, uh, you know, and that was their family. Right. So well, it is. You, you, you hear don't that see that now. expression all the time. They say, you know, seven days a week and literally twice on Saturday, twice on Sunday sometimes. Yeah. And. Yeah. You know, that, again, not take anything away from the young guys today, but you can you can get into a locker room somewhere with a guy and, and just out of curiosity, you know, where'd you train? How long you been working? Uh, oh, I've been working six years. Yeah. Okay, well, six years today in independent wrestling, and I'm just picking a random number. Six years could be 20 matches a year, right? So maybe they've had 100 matches. Well, a year of wrestling in the in the time period we're talking about, you had 120 matches in 120 days. Yeah. It's it's a whole different it's a whole different concept. So somebody now can say I'm a veteran. I've been working six years. That's nothing compared to those guys that are on the road, literally seven days a week, twice on Saturday, twice on Sundays. You you know, I mean, it's, there's nothing that replaces in ring experiences. There's nothing. Yeah, yeah. and and who are uh, some of the early influences? Because when I see you, I mean, I. I I see influences of uh, of Dusty, uh, Harley Race, uh, who yeah. are just these. You, you you get what you see here, folks, and I'm just I'm just being me. And were <laughs> were they two of them, and what others influenced you? You know, oh, you, you nailed it. I, and if I, if I had to say, uh, I mean, Harley Race from a promo style, I just yeah. love what he, I. I go back and watch his promos, and I'm still in awe. Mm -hmm. uh, Dusty Rhodes, I loved. Harley Race, I loved. Um, as far as a work style, and I'm not saying I'm, you know, I would ever get to that point. Uh, Arn Anderson, I thought was just, mm. just an artist. He, everything he did was real, and um, you know. And then you can move forward, and there are guys. I mean, obviously, Ric Flair, one of the greatest, if not the greatest, NWA champion of all time. And again, you said it. If, if it's a whole different ballgame now, media-wise, you know. Uh, Flair would work an hour Broadway every night in different in a different town, but in a lot of cases, he could be running a lot of the same you know spots in a match, and nobody would know it. Today, you can't you know you really can't get away with that because you're being on the media, you're being seen out all the time, um, you know. And then there's a lot of young guys. I mean, even well, shoot, I shouldn't say young, but I mean there are guys that are all the guys that I idolize now for the most part are retired or you know working late into their into their years. But there's a whole group of young talent out there that is just super too. And 
I just think in, in wrestling, just like in life, if you ever get to the point where you think you know everything and can't learn, you better stop because you're backing up. I, you know, you can always learn. You can always pick stuff up. Yeah, and and with that, though, where there uh, we mentioned guys that you uh, idolized or or were influenced by, were there any that were you know like hands on with you that that really helped you along the way? Um, yes, and this is what I was saying. Where I've had I've, I kind of caught the tail end um, with some guys where I got basically I don't want to say adopted, but I got you know adopted on the road with guys like Skandar Akbar. Mm-hmm. Uh, who took a personal hand and became a travel guy, and he was late in, late in the years. But you could pick his brain at any second. Um, a guy who is now not doing well physically super well, but he's, he's fighting cancer, a guy named Killer Tim Brooks, who is one of the greatest heels, um, especially in like the Oregon Territory and the Sportatorium. Um, Jake Roberts took my, took kind of took me for a while under his wing, and we watched video, and he gave suggestions and, and those kind of things. Um, Buck Robley, one of those two guys alone are two of the, to me, two of the greatest wrestling psychology minds in the history of wrestling. And, mm-hmm. and I got to spend some time with him and pick his brain. And then I got to travel for quite a while, um, with Matt Bourne and, mm-hmm. you know, Doink the Clown. And, yeah, and yes, Matt, Matt had his demons that he fought, but, you know, there's not a lot of, there, how many of us today can say, you know, I rode with this guy who was at WrestleMania one or three or, you know, and, yeah. and just say, you know, cause he came up through all the territories and he was, he, you know, his dad ran what Portland, Oregon for forever and was, was a, was a great worker. Um, he, he was big in mid South. I mean, I bet those kind of guys, and then even, you know, recently, and by recently, I mean six or seven years, um, Lance Archer, who is, who has just recently come back to the States. He made a name for himself in Japan was a travel partner in a, in a, a monster, legitimate monster. He's six 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 seven, mm-hmm. and that was a guy where, at the point, I was a, a champion of a company called Traditional Championship Wrestling, and, and you know, he would say, "What were you, what were you thinking right there?" You know, to get a big man's perspective, because I was, I'm, you know, trying to work a big man style, and and he would instant instant feedback. Um, I don't know if you know, a lot of guys out there may not now, but there's a one of my favorite travel partners, and probably one of the guys that I've traveled with the most was a guy named James Beard. And James is a referee. Mm-hmm. He's the only referee to ever referee in every major organization in America and Japan. And, you know, again, instant feedback. Uh, you know, he does did a lot of my matches, does a lot of my matches. And I can say, you know, James, when this happened and the crowd reacted like this, what was your feeling or what, you know. But those kind of things are invaluable. Um, for us old guys, it's like it's a Rolodex, you know, but it, now it's a drop-down box, I guess. If something happens in the ring, if you're in the ring enough – there shouldn't be anything that happens that you don't drop down to. Here are my four options, or here are my two options, or okay. you know, with those guys, that just feed that just feeds your knowledge base on how to handle those things. So I mean, yeah. I, got, I got the benefit of all those guys, and there's been more, but those are some of the major players that I felt. Yeah. Well, and you look at NWA, the new NWA, and this is something that uh, I really took notice of because I had a chance to really kind of just take in this roster, and I was really struck by the fact that. Um, you have this great mix. Mm-hmm. You've got these veterans uh, like James, yeah. uh, Eli, uh, you know, these guys. Uh, and Nick, at this point, really, he's a vet. Right. And then you have some of these young guys, uh, people right. like Ricky Starks. Mm-hmm. And I thought, like, what? A, I hope that these kids, and to me, they're kids, right. uh, take advantage of what they've got around them. Because um, it wasn't just what you guys do in the ring. 
It's what you do in front of that camera. Right. Uh, who are some of the ones that really stand out to you, and have you had an opportunity to help them out? It's, you know, you said Ricky Starks. Now, Ricky's yeah. somebody who I have known not extremely well, but, you know, I think Ricky claims, I think his hometown is uh, Louisiana, Mm-hmm. Uh, but he spent has spent a lot of time on independence in Texas, and and I've gotten to know Ricky off and on over the years. So you know, he has come to me and said, you know, okay, on that promo you just cut, or what do you think about this? Yeah. Um, super talented, athletic. Yes. It's yes. just as you know, being in many locker rooms, um, you know, the the locker room is a it's a ours is incredibly gifted, it, and it's a mixture of young and young talent. Experience. I mean, you've got everything from uh, those young guys all the way up to Ricky and Robert, who you can't get any more experience, you know, than those yeah. guys. Yeah. Uh, George South was in the locker room a couple times. I'm just saying those veterans bring yeah. something that that is valuable to everybody. But it's also such a such a intense. And I don't want to say I don't I don't know if high pressure is the right word. I don't I feel pressure differently than most people do. I, I I'm not gonna say I don't. But I feel it differently. Um, but it, it, I know, like you, you bring up Ricky. There was on the pay per view. I think Ricky worked three matches in uh, on the Hard Times pay per view to get to the finals to win the finals. Right. And that does not lend itself to being able to go and pick a lot of brains, right? I mean, because you're this is the first match and this is what we're doing and how we're going to get there and what do I, what story are you know? I mean, there's a lot of right. things going into that. Um, but along the same lines, prior to us getting whatever the the night's lineup is, there's a lot of downtime where we can sit and talk and joke and have fun. And uh, but the men and women in that locker room, it's it's a special place. Yeah. Um, and I've been in some very talented locker rooms, and and I, boy, I'm hesitant to say it, but I will. This is the most ta- obviously the most talented locker room that I've ever been in, and to the point where you can have. And I was laughing about this. Uh, you know, you can have a guy walk in, uh, a wrestler for the first time at that locker room and it doesn't change. It doesn't change the mix, but it changes the attitude because we're all competitive, right? So yeah. you see a guy walk in uh, and I've known the Pope for a long time, you know, as a, yeah. as a person, as I've been in several, many locker rooms with him over the years, but he walks into the locker room and now it's like, okay, okay. We just went up a notch. Yeah. Yeah. How does that yeah. affect? And everybody in the room is probably thinking, how does that affect me, right? I mean, what what is what is he the promo guy? How, what's his role going to be? And are we going to get to work? Um, Ken Anderson, you know. Yeah. It, I mean, I'm just saying those guys. Yeah. It's like, and I can't tell you how much I've I've enjoyed sitting and and talking and and not even necessarily talking wrestling, talking everything with those guys. Uh, it's just a great mix in there. Uh, I'm, I I tr- you hear pro pro baseball players and football players who you know when they retire. What they what they say is yeah I miss the game, what I really miss is the camaraderie in the locker room you know and and walking into the women's rock, locker room same thing you know or I'll, or somebody will come in and, and work a match for the first time and I'm like I have been watching them on social media and I feel like I know them and I you know it's just it's it's that camaraderie is special um, yeah. on our locker room is very special. Yeah, and it is a it's a shame right now that we're basically in pause on hiatus with the entire industry, and we'll get into that in in uh, a few minutes. But um, I'm always fascinated, and my listeners too, about the journey people take to get where they are. 
And because I, you know, I'm, uh, to me, that's when you're a youngster and growing up and the people around you shape who you're going to be. And, it, and it's very clear as they live their lives. Uh, tell us a little bit about that story uh, where you uh, grew up, growing up in Arkansas and, and what led you to wrestling. Uh, I grew up in Pine Bluff, Arkansas. So when I say I'm from Pine Bluff, that's legitimate. Uh, my mom is still there. You know, I mean, it, and we, everybody now knows Mama Storm, which just still, still cracks me up that that's a thing. But, um, sports in high school, you know, I ended up going to a very, very small high school on a, uh, on a football scholarship thinking that would lead me to, you know, I think my goal was, you know, my dream, I wanted to play for the Dallas Cowboys, you know, that kind of thing. Sure. Uh, played a little bit of college football, unfortunately, uh, shredded my knee on the second play of my college career. Not that that would have, not that that would have made I'd have been a success, but still, um, you can and, still say what if. Yeah, well, you know, it's, <laughs> it is what it is. And I I went from, you know, being fairly fast to being able to jump to, okay, uh, I need to change everything now. So, but I didn't, I didn't, I went on with marriage, having kids, owning a house, you know, car payments, vice president of a company. And I was uh, playing lots of sports, doing different things competitively. And one day I just, I uh, said, you know, I think I want to, I've always, I, I love wrestling. I've always loved wrestling and I want to, I want to see what opportunities are there. Mm-hmm. And I remember going to the president of the company, the guy that I worked for. And I said, Hey, I think I want to pursue this, you know, as a, not, not in, I don't want to quit my job. You know, I had a great job. He goes, no, nah, you don't want to do that. And I went, no, I'm pretty sure I do. And he goes, no, I don't think you do. But his whole thing was, and he told me this, he goes, <laughs> I, this still makes me cringe a little bit professional wrestlers are just professional liars because every they do is not real. And I really can't see the vice president of my company being a professional wrestler. And I went, Oh, okay. I see. I see where you're coming from. And of course I did it anyway. I uh, just, you know, I just didn't make it. I didn't make it. So I started driving and training. I think, and I still, my daughter corrected me on this the other day. And cause I always say I was about 30. I think I was a little over 30 when I started training. Uh, my first call was to WCW Power Plant, and there they had a, if you were over 30, they didn't, I mean, they, it wasn't like they wouldn't take you, but that was like their cutoff, and I said, well, what if I'm slightly over 30, mm. and I don't even know who I spoke with, and they said, well, then you need to be in the best shape of your life, and and really what they were saying, and again, I'm not, you know, not talking down, but it was like, we'll take your money, but your chances are not very good, and I had a friend of mine at church say, hey, listen, I, I, you know, I told him we were talking about it. And he said, I saw this ad uh, on a local TV station. He goes, I'm going to be really honest with you. He goes, the production was not good at all, but they're advertising a wrestling school. And so I was in Pine Bluff, or I was at the time living in Little Rock, and this school was in Paris, Arkansas, which is about a little less than two hours away. Um, contacted them, worked it out, started training. And at the time, I was probably, I don't know, 285 you know, down from three, 320 or 315 at my heaviest. And because of my size, which there's always seems to be a place for big guys in wrestling, uh, I was I was pushed into matches pretty quickly. Within six months, I was working. And, boy, I was terrible. I was I was horrible. I look back now and just shake my head. And, you know, I wasn't ready, but um, and instantly hooked. I mean, I, I, I can remember the first match crawling literally because the because the way it ended crawling through the curtain and the guy goes hey that wasn't bad you know for a first time and i said i hope not i've been waiting 30 years to do that you know because i've been wanting to do that all my life Uh but i also realized at that point i didn't have 
any concept of the cardio that it takes to work a match. Yeah. I, it, 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 no and kidding. I thought I was in good shape. Yeah. And yeah, I get blown up. Uh, and you were still working full time? Oh, yeah. yeah. So how did that, how did you balance that? Because well, I mean, working out and doing matches and working full time with the family? I, you know, it really didn't. Working full time is a, is a, or at least wrestling full time. Um, I was traveling I, for the long time. I've traveled just about every weekend. Uh, and, and now as with my current job, I've got three months off in the summer. I've got two weeks off at Christmas. I've got a week off at Thanksgiving. And if you balance it right, um, you know, it's, it's doable. Uh, at the time I was anytime WWE came through, I was traveling, you know, trying to get, uh, you know, supplemental talent, uh, matches, getting looked at, trying to, trying to get in, um, every, every weekend that they were anywhere close and, you know, had some opportunities with that. But, um, you know, it's a weird balance, but because I started wrestling so late, uh, I don't think I missed literally did not miss, a, a, a my, my son's football practice. Mm-hmm. A day of football practice. I think I may have missed one game and he played all the way into college. Um, but when they were done, like when they got through with all of that, it was like, okay, you know, and I, that's that, then I didn't miss it. I mean, I probably until this thing, I probably wrestle, I don't know, every weekend, two or three times a weekend, throwing the NWA pay-per-views and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, it's a juggling act, but you know, when you love something, you're passionate about something, you find a way to make it work. Yeah. Well, that's, that's incredible that you were able to, you know, balance the family life too. I mean, because boy, that's one of the things you hear. If anyone has regrets, it's be, you know, they missed everything. Right. They missed the uh, superstars that were with the WWF, forget it. Um, who never, you know, you knew that schedule. These guys would be on the road, uh, you know, nearly 300 days a year. They'd get home for a couple of days and when they did and it was one day traveling and one day going back and whatever they got to squeeze in between. Yeah. And uh, the fact you're able to do that, but you think back that uh, if if you would have made that like this is my job and and just you know devoted your your whole working career to that, it would have been different. You know, there's a lot of variables in there, right? Um, I have I have been even in my own mind surprisingly successful at times mm-hmm. uh, in every promotion I've been to. So I would like to believe, had I devoted myself to this full time, that I would have had equal success. But there's also you don't know, right? I mean, uh, you, you, you starting not even like getting in the ring until I was over thirty. Um, you know, there, in a lot of ways, I wonder if that you know you hear you hear the proverbial bump card, right? I mean, you know, Ricky Steamboat said I knew when I my bump, you know, when I punched my last, you know, on the on the bump card, right. I knew I was done. Maybe not bumping and and taking that brutal beating until I was 30 something has helped me, you know, stretch that career some, mm-hmm. um, I'd like to think I would have been successful. And, and, you know, there's a lot of people that, you know, I read now, um, you know, where has this guy been or what, you know, how did he, how did they miss him or whatever? There's just a lot of talent out there. Right. I mean, it, and, and I know guys in Texas that should have been millionaires in wrestling because they're that yeah. good and have, and to yeah. me have everything, uh, the full package. And either never got a chance or couldn't catch a break, you know, so I'd like to think I would have been successful, but I, you know, also maybe I'm guilty of being overconfident sometimes, 
but you never know, you know, you never know until you're in that situation and that situation just didn't, didn't, didn't develop. And, um, you know, and you just kind of said it yourself. I, I watched those eight, those guys, those eighties and the nineties guys that are on the road and how many of those guys don't, don't have a family or, you know, or, or lost their marriage or their children because they never saw them. And, and I think, you know, timing wise, this, this worked out really well. And I mean, how many guys that pick a number now? Cause I think I won the NWA championship at 51. Yeah. Um, that was a, that was, a, that still is a highlight, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, can't, I don't know that it's ever going to get bigger than that unless I you know, unless I could win it again, but big, but even past that, uh, I held it for over a year. So I probably just, I'm guessing cause I haven't done this math stuff, but how many guys can at 53 maybe get the biggest push of their life with, you know, with 10 pounds of gold and with the way that that developed. Well, but now let's carry that forward because, uh, I, you know, I turned 56 in February and I'm, I'm, NWA power is, is huge. So as far as, as being out there and being, I hate, to, I don't even know if relevant is the right term, but being seen yeah. and, and, and hopefully producing good content and all of those, how many guys get that chance at that yeah. age? Right. So, you know, things work out the way they're supposed to be. I, no regrets. Uh, you know, uh, Still have a good relationship with my my family, my 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 kids. So it's almost like I got the best of both worlds. Can't beat that. Well, you know, it, it is amazing. I mean, you look at uh, if these these dates are correct. I mean, uh, I think you were in your 40s when you got a few opportunities with the WWE. Right. Um, you know, if maybe 10 years were shaved off, would it have been different? Or what about those opportunities that you did have with the world wrestling uh, world wrestling entertainment? Um, you know, when you look back at that, how things might have been different, and what was that experience like for you? I look back at them, and they're all positive. Uh, positive. Now, I tell, I'm, a, I'm a, always hesitant to give my opinion to a young person unless they ask for it, right? I would never discourage anybody from going out there and making every attempt. But you know, it now today, I cringe. When those, if the, every once in a while one of those matches will pop up, like somebody will find that match that lasted 46 seconds and I got one punch in that was no sold before I got destroyed. And then you, and then people will take that and say, here's your future NWA world champion, right? Uh-huh. So I look at that and, it, and if one of those opportunities came up now, uh, you know, I think the answer would have to be, oh, thank you so much. And it won't, but I'm just saying, you know, theoretically, I'd have to say, no, thank you, because I think, I don't want, I would never do anything to hurt the legacy of the NWA and the NWA World's Championship. And I see guys now that, I mean, that's still a role that's a valuable role in wrestling, right? A mm-hmm. guy that can go in there and, and job and get, and do his, you know, make the guy look good. That's a, that's a role that's necessary. Um, there was some very, very good input, you know, coming from, you know, you said it earlier with one of my, one of my inspirations, one of my influences was Dusty Rhodes. And to mm. even get to spend a little bit of like, I, I walked through the curtain and did the whole thing and came back. Dusty Rhodes was the first guy to meet me at the curtain. Yeah. Um, and great job, kid, which cracked me up. Cause like you said, I was in my late, you know, my yeah, right. 40s, you know, great job, kid, you know, this and, you know, and gave me some input and got to spend a little time talking. Um, got pulled off to the side and said, you know, are you under contract with us right now? You know, those kind of discussions happened. Um, but let me just to be clear, while there was a lot of good discussion and, and feedback and all of those kind of things, you look like you belong out there. Where have you been? It never got to a point where anybody later. I didn't have to make a decision. You know, nobody laid a contract in front of me and and said, hey, you know, here it is. Here's your shot. That never happened. Um, again, though, let's I mean, realistically speaking, 
let's and I'm I'm picking a number because I don't know what that number was. Let's say I'm 45 at that point, right? How many how many guys break into WWE at 45 <laughs> years old, right? Yeah, it's, okay. and especially I don't know if you've seen pictures, but you know the uh, it's it's a lot of people say it's the uh, the mullet. It wasn't a mullet, <laughs> but it's the, it's the long hair, yeah. you know, top top ponytail, big nasty Fu Manchu mustache. Uh, probably 30 or 40 pounds heavier than I am right. You know, it's a, it was a different look, and I was going for a different look. But yeah. uh, you know, different different time, different place, different opportunity. Um, but as I sit here today, as I sit here now with the success that the 10 pounds of gold has, and NWA power has, and the the resurgence, uh, my goal has been before I knew anybody that is with the current NWA. My goal has been what can I do, if anything to help the NWA get that resurgence to back to where it deserves to be. And when I said, yes, I'll work with the NWA, that was my goal, period. Yeah. That's all I wanted to do. Yeah. So I can't go back and undo. I wouldn't go back and undo because look where we're at right now. Um, and like you said, we're on pause right now. Who knows where this is going to go, right? I, none of us do. But no regrets. Love where yeah, we're at. You, you can't. And, uh, you know, I have the, I have the same thing. I, I look back at uh, you know different opportunities that came my way, and I made different choices at the time. And also, I think back, you know, I think, God, if it's like the, if I knew now what, uh, you know, (laughs) didn't know then, it would be different. Because I think, you know, I'm better than I ever was, but I'm 60, I'm I'm coming up on 61 here. Right. But it's it's amazing that, you know, and I hope you're not offended by this, but you look, you know, like tremendous. Thank you. Compared to when you you mentioned the the extra weight, the belly, the mullet and everything, like, (laughs) What, but I wanted to ask you, like, what is your secret for people that are older and just even just for conditioning? What is it that, was there a point where you like, you turned things around, had a different approach to how you were going to stay physically fit? What, what happened? Uh, I want to say when I was in my, well, actually, uh, right around the time that I did this, the WWE stuff, and, and that didn't influence it. I think I'd already started the process, mm. but, you know, knees hurting, back hurting all the time. You know, just from from years of football and wrestling and all those kind of things, and and I remember looking and making a commitment, and I I, I thought, okay, I'm gonna have to do one of two things. I'm either gonna have to just get out of the business, right? I mean, because I'm I don't like where I'm at, mm-hmm. or I'm gonna have to change who I am, what I look like, how I approach it, so that I can keep moving forward. Yeah. Um, I chose that, and I had convinced myself, you know, I've been dieting my entire life. You know, I just, I have, and I, I had convinced myself, you know, you always hear about, okay, well, when you turn 40, your metabolism is going to change. And yes, it does. But I had convinced myself that I couldn't lose weight. Uh, the diets don't work. And then I just, that's just not true. You know, yeah. what doesn't work, what doesn't work is if you don't eat right and exercise, you know, and it really, it's annoying that that sentence is annoying, right? Cause doc, that's what you hear from every doctor. Yeah. Well, eat right and exercise. Yeah. Well, portion yeah, control. Yeah. Yeah, yeah portion <laughs> control. You make it sound so simple, yeah. but it's, um, I just made that commitment. Um, you know, now that the term is keto, um, low carb is what we were calling it when we were doing it then. And I, I started low carb diet and basically it's still all that works. Uh, if I stick to it, got in the gym and stayed there, you know, I mean, there was a, there was a time that I got down to 285 to make a, a tour, do, go to a trip with a wrestling tour in Africa, got down to 285. And when I came back, I don't think I went to the gym for over a year, right? I mean, you can't, you can't be successful without consistency. And that's really what it comes down to. It's just, I, I love the opportunities that I'm getting. 
I, I, you can't mess those opportunities up, right? So you have to work. You have to be consistent. You have to work hard. You know, and I hate stepping on the scales. Like right now during quarantine, right? Um, I haven't been to a gym, gym in seven weeks, eight weeks. And I, my goal is I've got, if, if, if we get cleared, unless, you know, speculating, yeah. we say we're going to have a show in two weeks. Am I going to be ready for that show whenever that is? And that's kind of my goal. That's, that's what I'm doing now. So, you know, I, the first thing that, that I did was I ordered an exercise bike online for cardio and, mm-hmm. um, I don't, I have limited, I have limited weights, but I'm making it work. So my goal is whenever the go, when the word is let's go, I'll have about two weeks to be right exactly where I want to be. And that, boy, that's a challenge. So here, short answer, work hard, work hard consistently, eat right. And it's just a commitment because we can, if I can do it, anybody can do it. Well, you know, uh, Tim, I've seen Eli put up some videos of him working out. You should do it for us older guys. Uh, they're not going to get to your level, but I mean, it would be really, I think they'd probably get a lot out of it, uh, of how they can uh, get in condition even in your fifties. It's, you I've thought, thought about, about it? it, but it's, it's part of the way my brain works. It's part yeah. of me. And it's like, I, I don't, very few times in a locker room will I walk up to a young guy and say, Hey kid, let me tell you something, right? I just, yeah. it's not, that's not the way my mind works. Now, if somebody comes up to me and says, you know, would you mind watching my match and giving me some feedback? Or did you see it? Absolutely. I'll, you know, I just, I think maybe, uh, maybe if I speak, I could be motivating, but it's probably pretty boring watching me do 30 minutes on the exercise bike twice a day or three times. Mm-hmm. You know, I just, my whole thinking is, like I said, I've watched more YouTube videos and wrestling in the last seven weeks than I probably have in the last seven years. Yeah. So if I'm going to sit there and watch that, I, I might as well do it on the exercise bike. So, you know, I roll up on that and just sit there and pedal and watch TV. And, yeah, you know, get something that, out of it. Yeah, that's my goal. Yeah, and uh, I, I want to talk about your most recent success, I guess we can call it. But, uh, you know, becoming the NWA World Heavyweight Champion was uh, an incredible accomplishment just for somebody to do that. We talk about the history. We could, right. we could list the names. But how did that that opportunity come about? And then I want to talk about how you maintained it because you ha- I think you had a great uh, nemesis for that. But first, right. let's talk about you know getting that opportunity for the championship. I think well I I had a good relationship with the former uh, you know ownership group mm-hmm. and. I, I, I to the, everything I do, I really try to approach it professionally, right? I want to be, I want to be a good representative of the brand. And I had a promoter there. There's a group that meets once a year. Um, and it was originally started by Red Bastien. It's called, uh, the Red River Shootout or the Red Bastien Shootout. And it's, it's a group of, Anybody involved in wrestling, and they would we would get together once a year. They still do it. I don't do it much anymore, but it's it, it, you, back in the when it started, it was a lot of old timers that were yeah. just a pleasure to be around and listen to and talk to. Um, at one of those, a promoter walked up to me, and and I'm a huge I'm a huge Texas like wrestling guy. I mean, growing up watching, and he walked up to me. I'd never met him before, and he goes, he goes, I run a show in Oklahoma and and North Texas. I want you to be my Kerry Von Erich. And he couldn't have picked, he couldn't have picked somebody for me to mark out more, right? I mean, if you yeah, had picked yeah. another name, you know, and I, I got involved with that promotion, I think the very first time I wrestled for him, 
Uh, he was running, he had the NWA Oklahoma franchise and I won the NWA Oklahoma heavyweight champion and for an NWA guy, somebody who values the history of that. And I, and I do, it was like, Oh, I'm home. Right. Mm-hmm. So over the next however many years, I just continued to work for NWA promotions, uh, built a relationship with the former owner. James Beard was like an operations manager, uh, built a good relationship with him won the uh, NWA uh, North American Championship twice and represented using that, represented that. Matter of fact, I think I lost that one to Jax Dane before he was world champion. Mm. Got to work, you know, with that, with those guys, with Rob Conway, who was the world champion with, with Tenzon, wrestled, ten, you know, wrestled those guys. And I think if you just go out and you work hard and you present yourself and you, you have quality matches in big situations, you know, it, it, you eventually – People learn that they can depend on you. And I know that came to a point where, again, this is probably was before I won it. I was coming to a point where I was doing my yearly evaluation of myself. What do I need to do? And and I just laid it out there and said, you know, will I ever get an opportunity? Um, And if not, I, I love what I've done. I will continue to work with the NWA, you know, and the opportunity presented itself. And a lot of people looked at that, and I read this later. And I didn't. I was a little a little offended, but it, it's probably the truth. I read that somebody said that it was probably given to me as a pat on my pat on the back for a coming to the end of a long <laughs> long career where I had represented wrestling well, and that I probably wouldn't hold it very long. And I don't know, you know, in, to, I knew that night. Um, James Beard was the referee. Jax Dane was the champion. Um, it was a big show for that NWA at the time. And I didn't know how long I would hold it, but I knew one thing is that my name was now on the list of some of the greatest wrestlers in the history of wrestling. And they couldn't take my name off that list. Right. So even if it, and you go back, I thought, is it, is it uh giant Baba that held it for a day? Maybe, yeah. you know I mean? Some of those guys that are, or even Kerry Von Eric, I think held it for a month before he dropped, before he lost it back to Ric Flair. I knew my name was on that list and I knew how important that was to me. Yeah. Um, so even if the plan was initially a short term deal, 400 and something days later, now, now every land, landscape had changed completely, right? Now we had a new ownership group. We had a new group of uh, uh, really a lot of unknowns because nobody knew what they were going to do. I definitely didn't know what they were going to do with that, you know? So it was, um, when I say, and I've said it on promos, I've said it on interviews, when I say it was my mountaintop, it literally was my mountaintop, you know. Uh, and I think other people could win it. And while it's a, it's it's just as prestigious, I don't think it'll mean as much to anybody, you know, to most people as it did to me, because I, that was my wrestling history, right? I mean, the NWA was to me that was wrestling. So to to be on that list with the people that we've talked about, you know, and it's a huge list of who's who in wrestling, right? Um, to be now on that list, I just went. All right, doesn't get any better than this. Doesn't matter how long it lasts. I'm home. Well, I have to imagine, though, uh, while you, you know, people may have said it was a pat on the back, uh, that you believe you deserved to get that strap. And and uh, did you feel, you know, prior to that, I imagine, I don't know, a year or so before when you had gone kind of through this transition, something changed, and and not just the way you were being perceived uh, in the you know, with audiences that you were in front of or just within yourself, because 
really to carry yourself as a champion, you've got to have that, that level of, of confidence that a lot of people don't have and maybe never even find it in their career. I think that's a, I think that's something that is developed over a long-term career. Mm-hmm. And I know for me, and I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even pretend to start naming and listing, but, um, I think the preparation for that came in my history, right? I mean, it's, it, I think I have held a title in, in a lot of cases, whatever that TV company was or that promotion was, I've held their highest title. Mm-hmm. And I think you learn how to handle yourself in those situations. Now, this was a whole different ballgame. Yeah. Um, but I also had James Beard in my corner. Um, and I mean, James, I, I remember early on, like maybe the first week that I, that I won, uh, and, and was carrying it. And I think I was going to go defend it somewhere. And I, James pulled me and we were riding together and he goes, don't take this wrong. I'd really like for you to start dressing a little better. And it did, but that didn't hurt my feelings at all. I was, I was very well known. It was kind of became a running joke. I wore, I wore flip flops year round for the most part, right? Well, you know, I had changed a little bit, maybe throw on a sport coat or whatever. But when James came to me, I went, you're absolutely right. I mean, I'm never going to be Ric Flair, right? I, and I don't, I would never pretend to be, but if you're going to represent what I truthfully believe is the most prestigious title in the history of wrestling, you need to step it up, yeah. right? It look like it. Yeah. yeah. And, and again, it doesn't mean that I have to sh- have to roll up in a limousine, but it does mean that whatever I'm doing to represent that world's championship, I need to do it the best way possible. It also gives you a whole different, first off, you get a different level of respect when you walk in with that title. Mm-hmm. It comes with, and I, you know, I've had people say, does the, as a matter of fact, I think, uh, on 10 pounds of gold, I think, you know, it was written in there somewhere in one of the, the backdrop, but it's, does the title make the man or does the man make the title? And I think that's a, I mean, I think that's a combination. I don't think it changed who I was as a man, but I could walk in as Tim Storm, whatever indie world champion with a really nice belt. Everybody's like, Oh yeah, there's Tim. You walk in with the NWA title yeah. and it's a whole different ball game. And I, I've told him this, and again, I'm not going to use any names, but he's in our locker room at the NWA and he, at, a, at an independent show at a huge independent show. And he walked by and he, I had the, I was changing, I was getting ready and the belt was laying on my bag and he walked by and he did, he literally did a double take and he goes, is that it? I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. What? And he goes, is that really is? is that it? Yeah. And I went, that's it. And he goes, can, can I touch it? You know, and I mean, it, but that's the, that's the respect yeah. that it has in the business. And this yeah. is not a guy that I was a friend with. It, it, he's a respected worker. He's been around for a long time. But when you walk in and you're the NWA world's heavyweight champion, um, there's a pride that comes with that carrying that title. And you kind of learn to embody that, right? It doesn't mean you have to be, you doesn't, yeah. it doesn't mean you're a different person. It doesn't mean you have to look, you, I mean, I never looked down on anybody, but you also have to, I always held myself to a high expectation on matches, at least for me. I mean, I'm sure some people are going to watch and don't like my style. It's okay. But I also, you have to, <clears throat> you're now defending the world's title. Yeah. You can't make a mistake. And I don't mean you can't mess up in the match. It means that and in today's date, I mean, I came up in a time when, Sometimes people tried to prove themselves or, you know, and you had to, you had to literally defend yourself in a match. And that's the way I was trained, but you can't not, you know, you don't kick out of a three count somewhere in a match and you lose the title. You know, you can't make those mistakes. 
you get somebody who might be looking for an opportunity, you know, um, you can't even let it. You again, I'm just, I'm, but I'm being honest. You can't even go with a referee that you can't completely trust because you can't make that phone call to the ownership and say, okay, here's what happened. And, you know, yeah, we'll pretend like you can't as a champion, you can't put yourself in those situations. Yeah. And you got to protect the legacy. I mean, that's your own end and the belts. Um, and, and I think, and as I mentioned before, when we got into this uh, part of the conversation, that uh, I think you had a great person in the ring to be matched up against. To like you said, you didn't know how long you're going to be holding on to this. Uh, but with with Nick, with Nick Aldis, and I mean, really, I think that that feud is, you know, got to go down as one of, one of the best that they had when when uh, you had that title on the line. And and give me a little insight on on uh, how you guys work together and and what you think of. Uh, you know, what's causing all this? <laughs> um, where to start? I, okay, yeah. let's just, let me just honestly put Nick over here. Um, he's the real deal. Yeah. He, I mean, it's, yeah. you know, we have, we have developed a friendship. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we're not, we're not best friends. We don't spend Christmas together or whatever, but he has done a phenomenal job. And, you know, I, I, I think as we, as you and I sit here and talk, it was only a week ago that they came out with the, with the, you know, NWA superpower rebirth episode where it kind of took, took us back through that history. And I watched it with everybody else. You know, when it, when it aired Tuesday night, I, I, I watched it and I know in one of Nick's very first promos about the, about the title, one of the things that he said in that was, it is your job as a world champion to leave the title better than when you want it, whenever that is. And and I knew that I had done that, right? But now let's I, I want to apply that to Nick. Because Nick has squarely taken that title and the NWA and has put that on his shoulders and has carried it. I won't say better than anybody could because we don't know, yeah. but he has carried it as well as possible as it's possible to carry. And and I and I'll go back and I in the ring, wow, this is going to turn into a Nick fest and I don't want to. <laughs> uh, he is He's always bigger than anybody thinks he is. I mean, the guy is legitimately six four two whatever. Yeah. He's an athlete. He hits the top rope elbow at six four. He's a technical wrestler. He's good at what he does. The first season of NWA Power, he came out and cut and, and the opening promos and the way he the way he ushered in that era as the world champion with people loving him was was textbook. And you yeah. had people saying, you know, you can't have a better guy represent. And then on the second season, yeah. he couldn't get a promo out because they were booing him so hard. Yeah. He, so he did it on the other side. So yeah. complete package, right? Yeah. All the way around. Yeah. All right. Now, when I got when I got notice of the new ownership, I got it just like everybody else. I was literally sitting in my classroom. Uh, and I had my phone sitting off to the side. And I, it, it, it was the uh, Cauliflower Alley Club uh, yearly thing and that's where this all happened and I, I just didn't go that year I wasn't wrestling and I normally I just don't go if I'm not wrestling uh-huh. and I'm sitting at my desk and I, the kids are make, taking a test or something because I'm, I'm working on my computer and my phone just starts blowing up I mean it's just just it's not dinging because I got it muted but I could just see it lighting up and lighting up and lighting up everybody's wanting calling or you know texting calling the world champion going what's going on you know what's happening we have new ownership what are you still the champion I can't answer any questions because I have no clue and my first, my, my gut feeling, because I remember James Beard, he seems to be coming up a lot. He and, he and a guy named Matt uh, Riviera were at 
Cauliflower. They were both big into NWA. I think Matt was at the time was uh, world tag team champions. One, you know, half of that group with with Rob Conway, and both of them texted me and said, "We don't know what's going on, but we're going to let you know as soon as we do," because those were my guys. Uh-huh. And, and you had no idea heading into this. This was none whatsoever. Maybe coming. No, nope, nobody did because yeah. there was a uh, you know there was a clause basically saying you know you know no non disclosure. You can't right. talk about this if it com- becomes public. You know, and. You know, I, the conversation that I had when I finally started learning, I knew nothing about it. And my first thought was, all right, here I am, what, 54 years old, um, new ownership, probably going to want to rebrand and start fresh with somebody they're, that they're familiar with, probably younger, big name. And I was fully prepared to, okay, I'm just going to, and my response to everybody was, I'm going to handle this as professionally as I know how to do it. Right. I mean, whatever that means, I'll just, I'll handle it like everything else, you know, as long as it makes sense, let's, let's, it's, it doesn't belong to me right now. The company is not mine. It's so, um, and they introduced me to, uh, Nick at championship wrestling from Hollywood. And now I didn't, I didn't know a ton about, Nick, because he had kind of, I was, I was not a big, I didn't watch a lot of TV wrestling. I still watch a lot of older wrestling, right? Yeah. Yeah. But I knew who he was. I knew what he had done. I, I, you know, I recognized him. Pictures, you know, if you said who is he, I knew who he was. Um, and my first thought was, okay, well, this is probably pretty quick. Let's, you know, they're probably going to get it on. And they didn't because, yeah. you know, Billy and Dave had a vision and their, their vision was, we believe that, our gift is should be storytelling and we believe you have an interesting story. Mm. And I think we can, we can build on that. Had they made that, that title change very quickly, you know, they, who knows, probably this, this maybe a different path one way or the mm. other, maybe, you know, but they set the tone and mm. I've had a lot of, you know, just turns out I was a decent guy, a good guy to bridge that gap between old school wrestling, new school wrestling, between old NWA, new NWA, mm. Um, one of the, one of the other things, and I've told Nick this, one of the other things that Nick said in a promo, <laughs> and I don't, I'll laugh now because I, I watched back and, and I didn't get it yeah. until I got it. He said, and he was cutting a promo on me, but he said, Tim, there's something you need to learn in wrestling. There are different levels and you're not there yet. <laughs> and, and okay. Well, and that's fine. And, yeah. and from a promo standpoint, yeah, 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 right. I watched, we, when I watched the deal the other day, uh, Nick took a took a spill on the outside of the ring, and as as the champion during the match, I walked over and I held the ropes open for him. And he looked at me in the match, and I went different levels, Nick. Different. <laughs> okay, but here's the thing: yeah. I had been performing at what I considered a very high level for a long time. Mm. Um, he was right. <laughs> there are different levels, and I learned that Nick was on a different level. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, he and I sat down and broke the match down and I was not happy with my performance of the match. And, and he could have gone a lot of different directions with it. And what he said was, he goes, Hey, listen, you did, a, we did a lot of really good things. It could have been better, but he said, you have to realize that at 19 years old, this is him speaking about himself. He said, at 19 years old, I found myself in the ring with Kurt Angle, AJ Styles, Samoa Joe, with some of the best wrestlers ever. Yeah. And he said, I had that opportunity. You haven't had that opportunity. Yeah. He's yeah. right. Mm-hmm. You know, 
So, you know, what do I think of Nick? Um, Nick is, is great. I would like to beat Nick for the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship, but I like Nick and, and he gets, he deserves all the respect he can get. Uh, you never know. That opportunity may, may be down the road. Uh, uh, I think, and really, I think the way they did it was really great because I think you both would have suffered if, if it hadn't been that storyline because it, it, it established you, like you said, this great solid guy who always wanted to do the right thing and, and Nick as a, you know, great champion. And I think that if they would have made that quick, you both would have suffered because of it because it, I think it enhanced both of you with the NWA. Um, I wanted to ask you, though, uh, what was the first contact that they had with you as far as management went? Did Billy call you, and what was your, your first impression when this they started to make this change? First contact came from Dave. Um, Lagana. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, Dave and I, I think we clicked pretty quick as far mm-hmm. as his whole thing was, I'm just looking for people that will be honest with me, right? I mean, just, and he said, everything I've heard about you is, you're a stand-up guy that you're going to do what you say you're going to do. And I said, that's how I approach everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's how I approach life. That's how I approach wrestling. And it took, uh, it took a little time to build that trust. Um, I met Dave at a title defense in Dyersburg, Tennessee, um, against, I don't know what the people would remember now, but he, and he was, uh, Rodney Mack, uh, in WWE. And now, you know, he's, but his red dog is kind of has been his gimmick forever. And Dave took some video that night, and I think at that point, one of the things his his job was was he was going to get out to, you know, at the time we had NWA affiliates, you know, that that bought that franchise for a year, and he was kind of going out and visiting those and trying to figure yeah. out, you know, would, how would those or would they they fit? Uh, but I did I, I met him, I got to speak with him briefly. So did everybody else, because at that point everybody's looking for a job, right? Because yeah. now they know this. Uh, and I did not meet Billy until. I think that uh, NWA title defense at Championship Wrestling from Hollywood. I think that's the first time we ever actually met. Uh, over over that whatever months that was, I you know Dave and I talked quite a bit, and we got to a point where we built up enough trust that we could do the ten pounds of gold because that was a foreign concept to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, his vision, he and Billy's vision for that. Uh, it was was nothing that I had in my head. Mm-hmm. And as an old school guy, and that's no matter how I look at it, that's what I am. As an old school guy, there were three things that I protected. I didn't want anybody to know that I was a teacher mm-hmm. because everybody should think that I sh- I show up in a role, you know, in a in a yeah. in a limo dressed in a suit, right? Everybody should think that anyway, and then I make millions of dollars. I didn't want anybody to know how old I was. You know, I I don't want to be the old guy in wrestling. You know, I. Yeah. I you know, I wanted, I didn't want anybody. I protected that. Nobody knew how old I was and I didn't want anybody to know I was a teacher. Uh-huh. Right. I mean, so to get to the point where Dave and Billy say, we think you've got a great story, but we think the story is let's let everybody see who you really are. And that's the story that was big for me. You know, uh-huh. for them, it was like, no, this is, this is going to be good. And I was like, oh, that doesn't sound, <laughs> that doesn't, that goes against everything I've ever done in wrestling. Uh, uh-huh. And then seeing that first episode, and and not seeing me, but seeing the production quality, how it was put together, you know, um, it was put together so well. Yeah. I remember thinking, wow, that was really good. You know, yeah. um, I got a little blowback in the beginning. I mean, because, you know, nobody, a lot of people don't didn't know who I was at all. There are people who up now who don't know. But it's like, NWA, how can you have a guy that old as your champion? I don't care what he looks like. You know, um, by the second episode, that started fading. 
by the third episode, you could feel the momentum. It just kept getting better and better. Yeah. And every time I watched one, I was like, how did they do this? You know, yeah. this is such good stuff. So yeah, it's that, that's kind of the way it went. And then now we're, we're at a place where, you know, we, we have a good working relationship. Uh, they trust me. I trust them. You know, even at, even on episode one, uh, for NWA power, my original instructions a couple of weeks out were, we're going to give you about, you know, a minute, minute and a half promo time before the match, just kind of, you know, be, be thinking. And I was, you know, promos don't, I, I don't, that, that's the, that I want to say it's easy, but that's just natural for me. I just go out and I'm me, right? But yeah. my, my stressor was, all right, I'm, I'm about to have this match that I want to be better than the last match with Nick, right? Because I was, I was, again, I wasn't happy with my performance on that. And watching it back, I, you know, different perspective. I want it to be better. I want my part to be better because Nick did more than carry his weight, right? I have to carry my, I have to do a better job. But also, how am I gonna, how am I gonna cut, tell the people that I care about what I want to say, and how am I gonna do that in sixty seconds? Yeah. And as I'm standing in gorilla, right, and I'm kind of going because uh, I, I don't practice promos. That's a Dusty thing, right? Dusty says you you don't practice a promo. Because if you practice it, you lose the passion that comes with it. You know, you can kind of know what you're saying. So yeah. I'm sitting there kind of going, okay, I want to hit these points. And, and Billy walks up to me at the curtain. He goes, don't worry about the time. Go out and do what you do. Uh-huh. Tell them what you want to tell them. We trust you completely. Uh-huh. And I mean, the, my shoulders just went, Oh, that's a different thing. All right. Yeah. Now I don't, that was my only pressure. It wasn't, what am I going to say? Cause I never know what I'm going to say. Right. It's uh-huh. always news to me too. It was, Oh, I don't have to rush. Uh-huh. Get it in there. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, and uh, was it liberating? To, I think that that series they did with you was one of the best with the, the 10 pounds of gold. But was that process as far as what, you know, changing you in front of that camera? Because like you said before, it was old school. The two were separate. Now these have kind of merged into one and it, and it did reveal to people like, this is me. I mean, really, was that a liberating experience? And how did it change who Tim Storm was? I don't really see anything but positive out of that. Um, I don't think it changed who I was. It obviously changed the perception, yeah. right? I mean, it, it, the way or, people what you could present and you know to the people what that you didn't before. Well, I I am always just me, right? Uh, and yeah. I it, then okay, and I, I'm a, I'm a history of the business thing. So I yeah. one of. Uh, Mick Foley's statements that he made in, in his first book was when you're trying to figure out who you are, you throw as many things at the wall as you can, but what usually sticks is pretty close to who you really are. Who you are. Right? You know, that's, that, that's what usually yeah. ends up sticking. So no matter what role I had played in wrestling, it was pretty much what you see is what you get, right? Yeah. Um, and I, I'm a big fan of the undertaker's work. And, and if you go back and watch any of his stuff, whether he's working face or whether he's working heel, it's almost identical, yeah. right? It's the same stuff. Yeah. So didn't matter which side I was working. I just maybe smiled a little bit more as a face. I did everything the same. So I, it didn't change. The, those things per, definitely changed the perception of people. And, and what they saw that they wouldn't see at a, at a show is the background stuff, Right. But when I, now what I am, and it's like today, when I, nobody's more surprised that, that people like my promos than I am. I'm most surprised because all I'm doing is being me. Mm-hmm. So with, with Billy and Dave, with the production stuff, 
They have never sat down. They've never sat me down and said, Tim, here's what we need from you. We're really trying to come across with. They've never done that. Mm-hmm. So all that all that 10 pounds of gold stuff that you've seen, all the promos that you've seen, Dave would set a camera up and we do exactly what you and I are doing right now. Mm-hmm. Right? Just go. Yeah. He would ask a question and I would answer the question because that's what I do. Right. I, I don't have to put on. I didn't know if anybody's going to like me or not. Right. I don't have to put on a character. I don't have to. I'm just going to be me. Oh. And uh, like, he, like I said, I think nobody was more surprised than I was that people liked who I was or cared who I was because I was just being me. Yeah. But you, you do have another life and uh, you're known as Mr. Scoggins uh, at school. And and how do you balance that and how has that changed? I, I have to imagine, you know, you come into that first day at school, everybody knows. And do you have to say, OK, let's get this out of the way. Uh, I'll show you whatever you want to show or ask me any questions. How do you handle that and uh, and balance it? Because you're an educator, too. Yeah, it's I take both of those very seriously. Right. Uh-huh. So uh, I make this joke a lot. It's like. I I teach eighth grade U.S. history. The last thing that 13 and 14 year old boys and girls need to be thinking while I'm teaching the Constitution is picturing me in a pair of wrestling trunks. That's not the visual that they need. So I stay away from all of that. So um, first day of school, just like every other teacher probably in America, I've got a I've put together a little PowerPoint that says, here's who I am. Here's my family. Here's my background, you know. I connect with the kid. You know, my son was a all state, all everything football player at, at our big high school. They won a state championship. So, you know, this is my son. This is when they won. You know, so I connect with that and then I'll go, okay, here's something that you need to know about me. This will be really the only day we talk about it, you know, and then I, I'll put a few slides up, you know, of, of again, fully clothed, uh, professional, you know, situations and say, yeah. I've been doing this for 25 years. It's, it's something I love to do. Anybody that you're thinking right now, yes, I've probably met them and maybe I've wrestled them. It's what I'm going to continue to do, but my job is to teach you U.S. history. So if you have questions, now's the time to ask them and I'll give them a few questions. And most of the time they sit in stunned silence because it's the first day of school and they're not even sure where they're at. Um, and then it'll come up, you know, yeah, it comes yeah. up. I, it, you know, for a while, when I was doing local TV here, we had a group, uh, well, with, with Lance Archer and, and Apocalypse. We were the, we were the dark circle and it was a very dark hill group, but we had this symbol and we became, it was, it was a hardcore time in my life where we were doing a lot of hardcore fires anyway. And I'd have kids in the hallway, you know, you know, Mr. Scoggins, Mr. Scoggins, you know, throwing up this, the sign of our, of our faction. I'm like, nope, I'm Mr. Scoggins. I'm a history teacher, you know, so it's, you know, I kind of, I'll laugh with them or we'll joke about it. And then it's, let's get back to learning Hit the books. Yeah. It's, it, that sounds terrible. I, I, I make the joke all the time. I work heel as a teacher. <laughs> There's not a lot of smiling. And that's, that's very I, disappointing. I'm sure to a lot of your, <laughs> a lot of your students. Um, I got, I got to bring this up because it's so popular now. And I imagine you've been asked about it, but, uh, you know, Tiger King is uh, huge oh, yeah. on Netflix and uh, video has surfaced that you and wrestlers, I, I, you could I could do a show, I think, just to ask professional wrestlers. Tell me about the, the wildest places that you have had, you know, stepped into the ring. Uh, you were at the compound, I guess, when Joe Exotica. I don't know how the event came about, but uh, what was that experience like? <laughs> well, it's here's kind of the way that happened recently. 
Because I don't even think you think about those, right? I mean, it, that was a that's a part of my life, and I I knew I knew that uh, through the promoter uh, at at the time NWA Texoma that that Joe had been convicted of what's the term um, murder for hire. Murder I, for I hire. knew that, but then it, but then it basically just went away, and I didn't think anything about it. And and a couple of whatever it's been three weeks, four weeks ago, I started seeing my picture with Joe surfacing oh, from yeah. I know yeah. from. Yeah four years ago or five years ago. And I'm like, this is weird. And I, I, you know, again, plenty of downtime, number one on Netflix watch list. And I'm like, Oh, okay, well I'll watch this. It's I I binge watched it with everybody else. I immediately called Dave and went, Dave, I'm worried about this. (laughs) He goes, what do you mean? And I said, well, you know, this, this is to me, this is not a positive thing, right? I, um, can what do you want to do? I, and, and my concern was, I don't want any, I don't want anything negative to come back on the NWA on this because you never know in today's right. You just don't know. And he goes, you know, let me talk to Billy. And he came back and he goes, let's just get, let's just get out in front of it, right? Yeah. So we did uh, just a conversation, and here's kind of the way it, it happened. Um, the promoter, who is a, an exotic animal guy, I think he has two monkeys that that are his, you know, that he lived in his house with him and his and his family. Um, was running this promotion. He was already donating, I don't know how much, to help feed the animals, right? Because that's that was apparently that's a big thing. And he goes, I'd kind of like to do, he said, I've been to some fundraisers out there, great guy. Uh, I'd like to do a fundraiser, a show for him, you know, to try to raise money to feed the animals. Well, I'm all about that, right? Yeah. I mean, I just, I'm an animal person in general. Tigers, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's very cool. I mean, to get to, I mean, I ran across uh I mean, I got, I went in the, I'm sure he got, he actually got in trouble for this, but he let me in, not the cage, he let me in the compound with eight or ten live, full-grown tigers, and walked around, and it was... It could have been lunch, Tim. <laughs> uh, it, it was, it was terrifyingly wonderful, right? But, so we, we, we did, we ended up doing two different shows out there. Now, as a fundraiser, complete failure, right? I mean, it's um, didn't go so well. Yeah, well, we just you know, a lot of not many people in middle of nowhere Oklahoma are going to show up at an animal park to watch wrestling. It just didn't happen. Um, I'm not going to say there was nobody there, but I think my comment earlier was there were more uh, lions, tigers watching (laughs) people. But we did we did two show we did two shows out there as an experience. It was fantastic. You know, I mean, I, I did something that most people, including thousands of people who have went to that part, will never get a chance to do, which is to go into that cage. Um, all right, real quick, here's the story. So we're going to do this. And I had changed out of shorts and I had jeans on. The, you know, you, you want to protect your legs you know, from scratches and those kind of things. We waited till I'm not going to do too much with jaws around them. Around oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it didn't. It, yeah, okay. I think it was just the scratches. It wasn't the teeth. That wasn't <laughs> But we waited till after whatever closing time for the park to close. And the idea was he was having all the people come down that work there from the gift shop and all the others to come down there. I thought they were going to laugh at me because I was going to be scared. So I was already in wrestling mode, right? I'm not showing fear, right? So they come down there, but it turns out that's not what they're there for at all. That's a regular thing. They would come down there and their job as you walked around this huge open area with 500 pound 
Tigers and Ligers, by the way, which is, you know, was to make sure that you knew if one of those was coming up on behind you. If you look at it from a, from a animal standpoint, like if you're a cat person, and there are tons of cat people out. Cats love to play, right? They were 600, 500, 600 pound cats. But if one of those comes up, if one of those comes up behind you and jumps on your back, you do not want to be underneath a 600, no, right? No. So you would walk around and you had a golf club without a club on it, just the, the, the club, and you would walk around and you would hear them going back, 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 <laughs> right? Well, now I'm like, what? You know, so it was, uh, it was a great experience. As you said, terrifying, terrifying <laughs> and wonderful at the same time. And then, uh, now we look at it and all of those things that happened are terrible. You, you, there's no excuse for abuse of animals. There's no excuse for abuse of people. All of those are terrible. But I wanted to get out in front of that because I had such a what am I going to do feeling. And, you know, so, yeah, it was no regrets. Uh, no, it was an appearance. But uh, being around that guy, did you say uh, he's a little odd or were you just like <laughs> Joe was definitely different in every aspect of yeah, life. Yeah. And he, it was by design. He ends up over the next year because he, you know, as as the as the documentary showed, he had his own little TV station thing and he started coming out to our monthly wrestling shows, bringing his cameras, putting it out over his whatever network and working as a commentator. He was, he knew nothing about wrestling, not good at all, but he had the, the, the promoter's idea was we're getting, we're getting you guys out in front of potentially hundreds of thousands of people worldwide. That was his idea. So, you know, we never, never anything but nice to me. I never saw anything that was, other than just him wanting to be different, I didn't see anything, yeah. you know. So, yeah, weird story, weird connection. Yeah. Great story. Great story. Guess, guess. All right. Uh, I've got some questions. We just, uh, when I found out we we're going to be able to chat with you, we just put them up and we got a few I hope I can throw at you. Uh, Joe, this is off Facebook. Joe Laciana uh, wants to know, how was wrestling for NWA before Billy compared to after the purchase? Uh, it was good. It was completely different. Um, the role of the world champion was defined differently. For the most part, uh, the way the contract was written, and, I, and I'm just going to pick a number because I don't know. Let's say that there were 40 NWA affiliates in the United States. Mm-hmm. I know there was one in Australia. I mean, there were other countries too. But in their contract, they were supposed to use the world champion one time a year and any two other champions that they chose, NWA champions, once a year. If that had worked, then that means that I could have had, that's 40 bookings that the, the world champion would have automatically, plus any follow-up bookings. Now, that normally didn't happen. They didn't hold them to that in the contract. Um, from a, I guess, just fact standpoint, you know, it was independent. It was, it was the NWA world's champion at an, at an independent wrestling show. And it could have been 150 people. It could have been 700 people. It could have been 2,000 people. You just never knew until you showed up. Yeah. Uh, you were usually going to work their top guy or, you know, in their promotion. Uh, so the, the quality of matches was usually pretty good. But, you know, again, you walk in as the NWA world champion and it lifts them to another level too. Uh-huh. Yeah. You never knew. Okay. Uh, Dominic Tago, uh, were you a fan of WCW back then? And I think he's probably referring to when you came in the business that came in at an incredible time. And mm-hmm. I'll just add, were there any opportunities along the way with them? Some opportunities, some matches at at house shows and things like that. Yeah. Um, 
I'm a fan of wrestling in general, right? I don't, I, I think 99%, 98% of anybody who wrestles at some point was a fan of wrestling. So growing up, like I, like I said, growing up with, you know, watching the four horsemen and, um, Legion of Doom and I'm watching all those guys. That's what WCW really was to me, right? I mean, it, it, it was, it was the rollover for the NWA. So I was a fan. I was a fan. I'm a fan of all wrestling. I still am. Yeah. All right. Uh, and you, you, you touched on this earlier. I don't know if you have more to add, but Jamie, uh, Hewison, why did you get into wrestling in your late mid or your late thirties? It wasn't, it was early thirties. And, uh, so many consider that that's too late, but, uh, you said all that time you wanted to get into it during your twenties. I guess, you know, why, what was it really that finally you said, you know what? I'm going to go for this. It, I want, I didn't have a, like in my twenties, I didn't have this driving. I need to do this. I need to do this. Okay. I had moved on and we're doing other things. And, um, a lot of people kind of roll their eyes at this, but I had the thing that occupied my time for a long time was, uh, was competitive softball. And I played really? at some very high levels and yeah. traveled on a travel team. And we were doing that every weekend and the family was going and, and it got to the point where my knees were getting so bad that I, you know, being on my feet that long was just excruciating where my knees would ache for weeks. And then I had, I got, I thought I got to find something different. And then of course people were like, so you think this is going to be, left? Yeah, right. no. but here's the funny thing. This is what I would always say. Yeah. But as opposed to, to, you know, being on my feet for hours and hours and hours and running around bases and doing all those things, which basically it, how far can you hit a softball is what that that amounted to. But it turned into, you know what, I can take three steps, steps across an 18 or 20 foot ring. Right. What yeah. if I work a 20 minute match? OK, that's a whole lot different than being on my feet for a tournament for 18 hours or, you know, right. so just yeah. a different ball. But anyway, I needed a new challenge. And that's why I waited so long. Yeah, uh, new. Let's see. Uh, Justin Ryan Lawton, uh, what are your plans after you retire from the ring at uh, 70? Uh, <laughs> would you like to train, consider WWE producer spot, commentary, managing, or just uh, relaxing at home? And you probably have your pension for teaching uh, anytime you want it. So uh, what 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 are what are the plans? Do you have any or just all of those things uh, hmm? except for the, you know, doing nothing? I, you know, I had I had a conversation with Dave Lagana this week about, you know, as, as things, as things are progressing and, you know, I've, I've already gotten involved a little bit on the production side. Yeah. Um, I love the agent idea cause I like, I do that at, at other organizations for their TV. I love helping young guys yeah. structure matches and make sure they're, you know, what is your thinking on this? How are you going into that? Um, I booked for a long time, you know, at different promotions. I don't know that I, it's, it's a wrestling's addictive. Everything about it is addictive. And, and mm. you know, my, the only thing I don't want to do is nothing, you know, whatever that role is. And, and if that means being more of a manager, it, but being involved and being around the wrestling and being in the locker room and, uh, all of those things, I just, as long as I'm involved, I just want to be involved. Yeah. Uh, this is just from NWA wrestling fan. What are your thoughts on the empire? What impact did it have on the industry at the time? Uh, the empire was a faction at in traditional championship wrestling and that's one that i don't think gets enough um it was really good yeah. i mean the production quality was fantastic the locker room was really good the matches it was old school wrestling at its best and the faction that came out of it at the time it, uh, 
Uh, I was the top heel or top face in the promotion. And that's one thing you don't normally do is you don't turn your top face. And I had a heel turn, joined the group that had been, you know, after me for so long. And it started a whole new run. Um, we had an incredible group of guys. And I think in any time you get a faction together, kind of in the four horsemen mode, you get the one guy who is, uh, who is a technician. We had more than one of those. You get one guy who's good on the mic. We had more than one of those. You, you, we had four guys, uh, who had different talents and could all go in the ring. And, you know, I don't know what impact we had on, on wrestling at the time, but I know for our, for, for my experiences and then taking that off TV and then traveling all over the South and, and, and working that was a great experience. And I'm, you know, for the most part, I'm still friends with some of those guys. Yeah. And if I see those guys in a locker room, they're usually at some of the top guys in that locker room because they were all that good. I knew this is uh, from Kyle Layton. As we finish up here with the questions, uh, Tim, greatest memory as world champion. That may be your toughest question that I've asked you today. Yeah, that's tough. Yeah. Uh, I guess if I have to narrow it down to one, man, that's tough. Uh, it's it's winning it because, you know, for me, emotion is real. Yeah. You know, to winning that, winning what really is the mountaintop of my wrestling career um, at 51 years old with – one of my best friends as the referee and one of my, you know, really good friends as, as my opponent in front of my crowd in front of, you know, at my home promotion where I was, was active and booking. I'm not sure it gets any better, yeah. but defending the title in Japan, uh, pretty darn good. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, walking, walking out at NWA power episode one and, you know, cutting a promo that, People caught on to really good, you know, working a tag match for NWA power with, you know, it's aired. So, but I mean, it's, it was me and Robert Gibson and Eli Drake against, uh, strictly business and Scott Steiner. Pretty fun. You know, I mean, it's, it's all of there's, it's hard to narrow it to one because the cool thing, the cool thing right now is it just keep good things just keep happening. Yeah. But if I have to narrow it to one, it's winning it. It Yeah. Uh, yeah, and mountaintop is has uh, got to be right there. Um, as we wrap up here, Tim, uh, you know everybody's going through what's happening now across the country and the world. Uh, it has impacted businesses all over, uh, but uh, one that is definitely really uh, struggling now is is professional wrestling. So I want to find out what you think of uh, what the impact is right now on professional wrestling. Uh, you know, will it be able to come back as as much and as strong as it was? It seemed like there was a lot of opportunity coming for everybody. Uh, your take right now on where we are? Yeah, there's no doubt that this has changed um, the face of wrestling, and I don't think it's going to be a short-term fix um, on a personal basis. You know, I find myself thinking about this a lot. You know, at 56 years old, um, knowing that I don't have a lot of time left anyway, right? It's, I don't plan on being done, but this is literally potentially stealing months yeah. and months and, you know, months from what I have left. So it, it, yeah. it hits me personally from on, on a business standpoint. I think that, that, like you said, we were at a great point. I said this all the time. It was a great time to be a fan, a great time to be in, in the business because there were so many opportunities, so many different types of wrestling. So everybody seemed to be growing. Um, 
can we come back from this? Yeah, I think wrestling will always come back. I think it'll be different. And I think it may be a, this again, I'm not an expert. I think it's going to be a slow. I don't think it's going to, they're not going to clear the path and go, okay, we're good. And I mean, how many of us out here have been hurt financially, right? Uh, there's a lot of people out there that are struggling to pay bills. And when, when this comes back, are, are they going to have the expendable, you know, uh, cash to be able to go to a show? I hope so. Because I think we all need the distraction. We all need something to, you know, that's, that's what wrestling does. It provides us a temporary escape from, from the reality sometimes. So I hope that's the case. I think we're just all going to have to be smart. Um, you know, I talk about Mama Storm a lot. Yeah. And, and the thing for me is I'm not worried about me. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm healthier than most 56 years old. You know, I'm not worried about that, but I also would never do anything, uh, to, take something like that to to my 95 year old mom even if i think i'm healthy so i think we just have to slow slowly progress we have to watch and see how this develops i hope that we sh- i hope that we snap back quickly um yeah. for personally i do and for the business i do i know it's hurting everybody um you know regardless of what company you work for regardless of how you feel about other companies we're all a family and we're all wrestlers we're all families of wrestlers. You know, we were, we're, whether it's you're in a production or announcing, whatever it is, we're all a big family and it's hurting us all. Yeah. So hopefully we can recover quickly and get back to doing what we love to do. And we love with You know, hopefully everybody will look forward to, I know they're looking forward to it, be able to enjoy it again. Yeah. And I, I agree with you. It may not happen quickly, but I do think it will come back and it's great to know we will see Tim Storm uh, back in the ring. Tim, this has been uh, fantastic. Really, a great conversation with you. I look forward. I hope down the road, very soon, sooner than later, that we're we're back at these TV tapings, uh, creating great content for everybody. Uh, how can folks? Though, in the meantime, I see some great T-shirts over your shoulder, and <laughs> and also just keeping, you know, being able to uh, reach out to you. How can they do it? Uh, Tim Storm NWA for Twitter, and Tim Storm one on Instagram. Uh, you know, I'm there on Facebook as Tim Storm, but I think uh, my 5,000 uh, exceeded my 5,000 friends. But any of those will get to me. Yeah. I, I like hearing from, uh, I, I said we're an NWA family. I like hearing from family. So, you know, absolutely check it out. Hopefully here pretty soon, Sean, you and I will get to be in a locker room again doing the thing that we love and being around people that we like being around. So thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. I've enjoyed every second of it. Okay, I hope you enjoyed that. I certainly did. Uh, Tim, a really great guy, and I met him in person at uh, the tapings, and uh, he is just really uh, just an awesome guy. But from a professional standpoint and being able to watch these guys work while I was there, uh, Tim really stood out to me just because he's so genuine. Uh, everything about him is just like, so genuine. I think that's why his promos are so good, because they're heartfelt. Uh, and... Uh, you know, we we uh, had that conversation about uh, you know doing these these different uh, vignettes as we used to call them in my day. But they did uh, you know the ten pounds of gold, and uh, Tim uh, really just let people see the other side. And he had always been kind of this uh, you know this is what I do. I'm uh, Tim Storm, and the other one is I'm uh, you know Tim Scoggins, and you know that uh, the the two never really crossed well in the 10 pounds of gold they do and and uh, it's it was fascinating uh, to hear him talk about how much that uh, 
that really changed things because uh, people really responded to it. And uh, it even allowed him to be even more genuine in front of people because he didn't. He could refer to the the life that he had there, and of course, Mama Storm, and you know how that's all blown up. Anyway, we expect great things from uh, Tim Storm, and I can't wait till they uh, get back in the ring and whatever he does beyond, because uh, the man still has plans and still looks tremendous, man. Uh, uh, absolutely. So, really want to thank. Tim for coming on. Once again, I want to remind everybody, be sure and follow us on uh, Twitter and Instagram, uh, at Primetime Mooney. You can email me. I'd love to hear from you, see how you're doing, uh, at PrimetimeMooney at gmail.com. Check out our t-shirts if you want to get uh, one of the uh, collection, the PTSM collection. And that's real easy. Just go to MooneyTees.com, MooneyTees.com. Let's see. Uh, That's about it. Hey, be safe. Uh, We'll get through this. And again, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for tuning in. Till next time, I'm Sean Mooney, and I am out.